White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to a victorious Locked On Sox, which I promised you, I guaranteed it at the end of last night's show. This is Herb Lawrence. After a nice win, the White Sox beat the Pittsburgh Pirates by the score of Marion Hosa. My name is Herb Lawrence. With me is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I, me personally, I'm a, I'm a total wreck with uh, my kid being back and remote learning in school. But let me ask Bill Walton how he's doing tonight. The White Sox win. Print the banner. Line up the parade. Michigan Avenue on the Studge Turtle Bridge Division Street. Let's go. And this victorious edition of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar is back, and it's even deliciouser with 18 amazing flavors, including six brand new flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. And of course, they still have all those flavors that you know and love, flavors that I love like German chocolate, peanut butter, and of course, without a doubt, peanut butter brownie. Built Built bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They're not all grainy like some of those other protein bars out on the market. Built bars are healthy. They're great for the health-conscious guy or gal on the go. It's great for losing or maintaining weight while still indulging in those delicious snacks that I love so much, that you guys love so much. They are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bars are great if you're doing the keto thing. For example, the coconut almond, the flavor profile on the coconut almond, 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. And right now, Built Bar's got a special offer for you Locked On White Sox listeners. They've got a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. So just go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Yeah, Herb, you are like the George Zimmer of, uh, of White Sox podcast, you guarantee it. Um, and we liked the way the White Sox looked tonight, didn't we? Eight to one winners tonight in Pittsburgh. They improved their record to twenty-seven and sixteen. And thank you to the Royals and Danny Duffy. They shut out the Indians tonight, three to nothing in Cleveland. And the Sox now back in sole position of first place in the American League Central Division. Uh, great night, great bounce back win tonight. And just real quick, uh, quick apologies for some of the audio issues last night on the podcast. We were so lathered up about that bad loss and and we were quick to point fingers, but we didn't point a thumb at the bad audio quality. So the performance, I think, was indicative of the uh, the podcast quality after the game. So it was a, in many ways, it was a day uh, of podcasts and baseball games that deserved each other. So thank Thank you guys no one even mentioned it to me and i know all of our regulars were out listening last night but they overlook it because they you know to, to expect the quality that we provide day in and day out but thank you guys for understanding on that one i think we'll be back to normal tonight uh real quick uh tonight uh, today being roberto clemente day 
across baseball. And, you know, it's just pretty it's pretty appropriate that the White Sox are in Pittsburgh. It gives us a chance just real quick to just uh, highlight that aspect. It was really cool to see the Pirates all wearing the number 21 tonight, the first time in their history uh, honoring Roberto Clemente in such a fashion. Roberto Clemente is at the big boy table of all-time greats. Uh, first Latin Hall of Famer, 15-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, National League MVP in 1966, World Series MVP in 1971, 12 Gold Glove Awards, and a four-time National League batting champion. He finished his career with an even 3,000 hits before he died tragically while assisting uh, with, with earthquake aid relief in Nicaragua. And, you know, he's one of those guys, you know, you, you feel a certain type of way when you see video clips of him. And I remember when we went to the Hall of Fame in 2014, um, seeing his jersey and seeing his plaque, like it certainly, you know, brings up some of those those feelings if you're a baseball nostalgic type of person like I am. Um, I don't know if there's any players currently that you could comp to Roberto Clemente, but you know, from the videos that I've seen and the people that I've heard talk about him, I guess the only thing I can compare to in my mind with someone that I've seen in my own eyes, if you remember Vladimir Guerrero when he was with the Expos, that type mm-hmm. of player who has all the tools and the arms specifically playing right field, he, you know, he's a guy that I think of and you think Ichiro just in terms of that, that, that arm in right field, just being able to throw you out from anywhere out in the field. Um, I don't know if you have any uh, thoughts on Roberto Clemente, but I, I just wish I could go back sort of like in a baseball time machine. And he's one of those guys that, that I wish I would have been around for. And uh, just, if you talk, if you know someone that saw him play, just, you know, just, See if you can bend that person's ear for a minute and, and get a couple of Roberto Clemente stories because this guy's at the big boy table of all-time special baseball players. What an ambassador for the game and uh, and, for, and for the sport. The White Sox paid tribute to him by with the runs, hits, and errors that total up to 21. 11, wow, how eight, about that? 8, 11, and 2. So, yeah, the White Sox. They're, uh, James McCann in the eighth inning with that, uh, that air put him over the top it was a good job by james <laughs> what an ambassador um, what a what a great what a great asset to our game james mccann knowing the situation at all times not only does he get two home runs for you but he also knows exactly how to get the number 21 out there for you and yeah um i never really you know know anybody talk i mean about actually seeing him play i think fred hubner might have uh back in the day but he's a white Sox fan that probably never would have you know traveled over to the north side to see him play in person but i think fred has uh, some uh, very extensive uh, history with the we are family fa- uh, team and so the previous uh, team before that was the roberto team and then roberto like um people like sleep on how great he was like his last hit as a major league baseball player was 3000 so even you know even if he didn't you know die tragically and people think like oh so he died so he got in the hall of fame no absolutely he was not, a great yeah. <laughs> player and he he did lots of good things on the field and as he always says to say he died doing something helping others he didn't need to help nicaragua that's not his home country that's he just saw he's a humanitarian he saw need he wanted to bring me to those people and he died in a hel- an airplane crash so um just there's nothing more to be said like that's the type of person that he was and i like what baseball did he allowed play- players to wear the jersey and honor him i like that more i wish they did that i think in the initial years they did that for jackie robinson 
where on his day they allowed players who wanted to wear the 42 and honor Jackie to do so. And I wanted that same thing to happen right here. And uh, you saw, I think the Cubs, Victor Carantini is from Puerto Rico originally. Uh, other players, all the Pirates wore 21. Joey Cora, 2005, yeah. uh, you know, uh, third base coach uh, for the White Sox. Joey Cora, native of Puerto Rico and former Alex White Sox. Rios. Yeah, exactly. Vasquez also. So, yeah, there's a lot of Puerto Rican history. And Puerto Rican history is American history. If those who don't know that, it's American uh, territory. So those people out in Puerto Rico, are Americans. So never confuse that with anything else. So he is an American hero, Roberto Clemente. So we should be celebrating his legacy every year like we do with Jackie Robinson. And if they want to retire the 21 in perpetuity, I have zero problems with that because of the work that he did and how he lived his life and how he ultimately passed too. Absolutely. Although I will say it is one of the more aesthetically pleasing numbers you could have in sports. So that would, that would be quite a blow to jersey aesthetics. Our, our, <laughs> our own Rick Camp thinks it's the most pretty uh, number on a jersey. Wow. That, yeah, that's that's a good call. Um, I, I wish and he hates 12, which is weird. He said it's just the... the the matchup doesn't work. Twenty one <laughs> works instead of the twelve. Yeah, um, I just I wish I could go back and watch him, you know, in a battle uh, versus uh, Bob Gibson. You know what I mean? Or you know, if you're a White Sox fan, seeing seeing Roberto Clemente square up against Wilbur Wood or Hoyt Wilhelm, uh, you know, White Sox greats of that era. And I saw a cool thing on Instagram tonight. Um, Ron Kittle at Naked Biker had a photo that he took it was a screen grab of the george lopez show uh the 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 the, the sitcom that used to run on abc um but now i think you can catch reruns on on nick at night but he made one of his custom benches for george lopez george lopez a great baseball fan and even known to frequent white Sox games now and then but he he made a bench for george lopez using nothing but Roberto Clemente game used bats, which he got from the Clemente family because George Lopez was, uh, you know, uh, Roberto Clemente was his favorite player apparently. So it was a pretty cool screen grab just in the corner of the of the shot from the George Lopez show. Ron Kittle shared that on Instagram tonight. I thought that was really cool. Um, and lastly, you know, if you're in Pittsburgh, that's one of my favorite parts of going there. You know, it was the first time I did it. The last time we went in 2018 is seeing that Clemente statue right there by the Roberto Clemente Bridge. It's a great way to see the park and then take a walk into downtown Pittsburgh. But it just it's a really cool thing to see, uh, you know, just to pay respect to the man. And I'm glad the uh, Pirates and Major League Baseball did their thing tonight. And it was cool seeing the 21 patch on the White Sox jerseys right next to the Farmio patch. So, yeah, but uh, nice win for the White Sox tonight. They're bouncing back off a bad loss last night. Where do you want to start here tonight? How good was Dane Dunning tonight, huh? That's exactly where I want to start because I think that we found our third best starter on the White Sox. I think through his five, I believe, starts now, only one clunker was the last one where he went four and two-thirds. It wasn't really a clunker. It just wasn't consistent. Gave up four walks and a couple runs. This one and the five-inning no-hitter he had the other day, um, the first couple starts, I think there was versus Detroit and KC. He's looked good. Each time out, really good, except for that one clunker. And wasn't scared, not scared at all to attack the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I just saw confidence, a guy who understands what he's doing with the ball and what the hitters are trying to do to him and inducing weak contact otherwise. Um, 
Dane Dunning was a star tonight, and we know we scored a bunch of runs, but he would be my player of the game, Dane Dunning. Absolutely. So Dunning's line tonight, Dane Dunning goes six innings, giving up just the three hits, no runs, one walk, and three strikeouts, lowering his ERA on the season to 2.70. What I liked about Dunning tonight, you mentioned he was just attacking the zone, it, you know, made no mistakes up in the zone. He, he was he was mostly living in the bottom corner, bottom edge of the strike zone, which you love to see. Virtually no hard hit contact at all against him tonight. A lot of weak contact, weak ground balls. You saw, you know, him pound the strike zone tonight, and those swings that that some of the Pirates hitters had tonight just looked awkward, and they just couldn't really square him up all night. And and I agree with you, Herb. Like the more you see, the more you have to like from Dane Dunning and. You know, I wish they, he could have gone deeper in the game tonight, but I suppose with Keuchel uh, being put on the shelf for the uh, for the next series, you know, you don't know. You know, I guess it's a laugher also, so you don't need him out there when it's eight to nothing. But in terms of just his stamina, I would have liked to have seen them maybe keep him out there a little bit longer, uh, just so he can build up the uh, the the, uh, the innings a little bit. But maybe uh, on the flip side of that, maybe they're like, okay, this guy's coming off Tommy John, so why have him out there when we don't need him to? Uh, because as far as the total pitches thrown. It was not on trajectory with what they've had been doing where they're slowly wrapping him up. But uh, it was just great. It was a great outing for him, his best uh, night as a pro, and he gets his first career Major League victory out of it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what develops here going forward as the Sox sort of set up their rotation for that all-important final week and a half and hopefully the important first playoff series in 12 years for the White Sox. So kudos to Dane Dunning tonight. You have to love what you see out of the youngster. Um this game was really won tonight in the fourth inning. Um, White Sox offense finally coming through. I, I was worried early on against Brubaker. He looked good, sort of how Musgrove looked last night. But the exactly. Sox, yeah, the Sox broke through. Uh, you had Moncada with that leadoff double, and we'll get to more of Moncada later, but it was just good to see him out there moving well. It was good to see him sort of you know getting to pitches in all, all parts of the zone and seemingly having no issues of being fatigued, no leg issues, and he seemed to be moving in pretty well on that double, Herb. Yeah, he looks like he is maybe a little bit slightly off of where he's usually at, but yeah, he was hitting the ball really hard today and yet uh, continuation from yesterday. Um, hopefully this is just him just coming out of whatever the ill effects of COVID was and the ill effects of the it looked like growing or leg problems that he was having and just coming out. And after a couple of days off, the off day on Monday, one tomorrow, he'll have a fresh perspective with also a bunch of hits under his belt. Now uh, he feels a little bit better about himself. Uh, confidence will be on a high and facing the Detroit team that I think he'll be facing on again. Yeah. And another thing to like about it, well, just, you know, that, that play he made, uh, at third base, barehanding the ball in the fifth inning. That was awesome. That was one of those, oh, God, we have a, a, a real bona fide star at oh, third yeah. base. That was an awesome play he made. Uh, a play, I don't and know. And he made it look easy, too. Yes, that's exactly. That's the thing. That's, that's the big thing about how he looks right now, at least as far as how he looked today. And just to sort of humanize this a little bit, imagine if you had uh, a disease that didn't exist 
um, you know, in your lifetime and in no one else's lifetime, really, and you're recovering from that, and all of a sudden you don't feel yourself when you think you've pretty much got it all out of your system and you've recovered completely, and then all of a sudden you're you don't feel the same. I couldn't imagine, let alone the physical. I couldn't imagine what that would do to you mentally. You know, just always worrying, like what else is this going to do to me? Because this is still a disease that. Um, you know, a virus that, you know, scientists don't know much about. And we're almost a year into this thing and we don't know a lot about it still, but I just couldn't imagine the mental toll that would take. And I think that had to have been a part of what he's going through as well, because you see him tonight after he breaks through and gets that hit early, all of a sudden you start to see him maybe look a little bit more relaxed and look more like himself. So I, I wonder if it's sort of the physical and the mental working in tandem for him and realizing, okay, like as long as I get my rest, I, I think I can be the player that I need to be out here. And as long as they cater to him and get him that rest where they see fit, I, I think maybe we can hopefully get the real Yohan Moncada for the uh, the stretch drive here. I think – the old quote by Yogi Berra saying half this game is 90% mental. I think he said to, to paraphrase him, um, but his, you know, it's a messed up saying, but his point was this game, everybody's talented. Everybody's good, but the mental part can make you bad, can make you not normal. I mean, we've seen this time and time again, Tim Anderson didn't start being this guy until, he realized that this life is short and being somebody else being what they want him to be is not working for him. And the death of his friend, uh, just life changing for himself. He realized that being himself is going to be what his key is to succeeding in this game. And ever since I think he's gotten out of that shell of doing the baseball thing and you know, put your head down and not celebrating your wins, now he's doing all that stuff. He's got the swag. And I think you see that on the stat sheet. It reflects itself. Same thing, uh, I think, on the north side, you Darvish. Thought his pitches were getting tipped. And he was bad for like a year and a half after that. Then he realized it was a cheating scandal and his stuff is really good. You see the results now. Same thing with Yohan Mancada. I can see, you know, going through this whole ordeal, having people... 180 plus thousand people die in the United States and others with other ailments. The pitcher in Boston with the myocarditis and other players uh, in college basketball and football with those lingering effects. They're like, ah, maybe this is going to linger with me my whole career. Yeah, I would be very, very concerned with my physical health, especially then my other things are going off. Like I can't throw the ball. Well, my growing or my legs are not where they need to be. I'm fatigued all the time. My stats are not where I want them to be. I'm like the fifth or sixth best player on this team where I was coming into this year, the best player on this team. So all that stuff could be messing with him and being away from his family. That's a big, huge thing. He's got, I think two young kids growing up. That, that's probably a huge big thing for him so yeah the mental game and baseball can take a toll and once you realize that i am good i deserve to be up here i am one of the best players in the league i think getting all that nonsense out of your head makes you a better player it's you gotta trick your mind you have to have some type of mental skills, mental coach up there that's dealing with your head every day because I think that's just just as important as the pitching and batting coach. 
Absolutely. And, you know, on top of all that, you know, a guy who's still developing at the big league level, you know, and he's still, mm-hmm. still trying to find himself uh, as a, as a professional baseball player, you know, he, he, you know, he doesn't know where his ceiling is. He's still trying to, to uh, attain that and trying to figure out who he is as a ball player. Like he's, he's got one good season under his belt. So now you have the expectations built in or it's like, okay, I have to live up to that standard and I have to duplicate it. You know, that's, it's, it's anyone can have a good year in, in major league baseball, but to go out there and repeat that year in and year out is another thing. And then also to have to, to deal with the after effects of COVID-19, I, I just couldn't imagine what he's going through and that you know good job by you you know you know mentioning the you know not being around his kids thankfully for baseball players you know they're they at least get to to travel home but still like they're still on the road half the time and it's not easy now with you know kids being in school and things like that this time of year like it's it's really hard uh to be away from your child so yeah there's so many layers to this so you know you know especially this year you have to give these guys a lot more leeway when you're uh, evaluating them but not james mccann he is uh he's just been a champ all year and Mm -hmm. uh, and i and i and I'm worried about that he's going to price himself out of a roster spot for the White Sox in 2021. I mean, that's definitely going to happen. The only way, and we've said this before, the only way that James McCann is coming back to the 2021 White Sox is if he gives them a hometown discount. And I mean a hometown discount. Like, he's making $6 million this year, roundabout, uh, for the whole contract. If it was, I don't know where it is, prorated. Next year, he'll be making much more. Some team will look at James McCann and what he's done the last two years, not just this year, the last two years, and say, James McCann has figured baseball out. He's a great receiver of the ball. He's out there doing stuff, and he's bringing in runs. Right now, 333, five home runs, 972 OPS. Those numbers get it done, and somebody around the league is like, our catching position, you know, we have a guy way down here that might be good, but how about we go out and sign a guy for two, three years? He's a little older than a usual free agent, so he'll be, I think, 31, 32 maybe uh, in this free agent year. Let's sign him for a couple of years. He's still got one, two years left in his prime, and he maybe he's just figuring out baseball right now. Maybe this is his prime because the last two years with the White Sox has been pretty damn good. I would love to keep him. That would be ideal for the White Sox to keep him. But to spend almost $30 million on one position would be a little hard for Jerry Reinsert to swallow. Then also, you're not going to be going to sign any right fielders or any starting pitching for next year. And you might be like, okay, we see Dane Dunning doing what he does. We already got Giolito and got Keiko. And Cease is all right. We don't really need another guy because Kopik's coming back next year. There's our starting five, but I would be very uh, tenuous on Kopech coming back next year and being the fifth starter. I think they're going to slow hit, slowly bring him back, start him in the minors and things like that. But James McCann, if they can find a way, and if James McCann loves the situation here and understands that he will mostly be a backup DH slash first baseman where Asmani getting the lion's share of catching, that's be great. I'm going to put my James McCann agent cap on for a second here. Um, my advice to James McCann, if the White Sox were to go deep and make a postseason run and God will and win a World Series again, take the ball and give it to Jerry Reinsdorf. <laughs> and, and you can go wherever. you can, If you want to stay here, you'll be able to stay here. So that, that's just my advice get, to James get, McCann. 
Even if it's hit to Luis Robert, he just <laughs> he passed by the pitcher, tackles Luis Robert, takes the ball, puts it in his pants. You know what? Who you know who almost took a ball from Luis Robert tonight? Well, who did? Eloy oh, Jimenez. How about that play by Eloy? The nice running uh, play in the gap to Rob Reynolds uh, early in that ball game. So, you know, see, like that's the thing when it, when we talk about the best vision of this team is with Eloy Jimenez in left field and. You know, people came at me, you know, and he was an embarrassment, you know, winding up in the net twice and he cost the Sox a game this year by, you know, falling into the net. And I said, look, man, he's going to work to get better. And if you you can't sit up here and tell me that it's it's out of the realm of possibility for him to turn into a, a serviceable left fielder. I mean, he's got enough athletic ability. We saw how Kyle Schwarber turned into a, a pretty decent left fielder for the Cubs. And Eloy is starting to show, you know, once he, he plays out there with a little bit of confidence, I think Benetti said it, and, you know, he, he doesn't worry about his surroundings, just go out there and get after it. He made a really nice play out there tonight. I, I was proud of him for making that play, and hopefully that'll sort of get some positive momentum going in, in terms of, you know, not only his, his abilities out there, there in the outfield is confidence but also just in terms of the narrative how you know that there's no way and he's got to be a dh and this that but that was a really nice play by eloy tonight yeah and i'm just looking up next year for catchers and who the free agents are out there and see if uh, james mccann will be at the top of that heap so there's not a lot of good catchers out there you have uh yadier molina's at the thing but he's 38 the best catcher free agent that's out there is jt real muto so he'll sign for a big-time uh, payday as he's pretty good. He's getting $10 million this year. And after that, there's really nothing available that is better than what James McCann's doing. Wilson Ramos, Jason Castro, Robinson Chirinos, Kirk Suzuki, the best play- player of all time. All time. Uh, uh, Mike Zanino, Alex Avila. So realistically, James McCann's the best catcher, catching free agent out there behind JT Real Muto, the second best catching prospect out there behind JT Real Muto. Yeah, we'll have to see, man. Like, you know, I, I would love for him to stick around, and you know, th- that's certainly his, his home run early, giving him that one to nothing uh, cushion early. That that was a nice jolt. That's what the team needed, and they started to wake up after that hit. I don't know if it was because of that. But he, of course, adding another home run, his first multi-home run game of his career. But yeah, you have to love what you're getting out of James McCann right now. I was happy for the guy that he's continuing to produce despite the sort of uh, sporadic playing time. Um, before we get out of here tonight, you know, we talk about more about the offense and great ambassadors to the game and to this team. We have not mentioned Jose Abreu's hit streak, which is now at 22. And of course, we're gonna we're gonna put the Maloik on him here, and he'll probably go hitless uh, on Friday. But He's got this hit streak at 22. Carlos Lee has the all-time White Sox record with 28 games in a row uh, in, back in 2004. So we're six away from tying the record. Do you think he's got a shot at a Herb? Um, he's got a shot, and the way he's doing the things he's doing on the field this year, I think um, a really good shot. But the only problem with it is baseball. Like <laughs> Every day is a different pitcher nowadays like they're gonna face a starter in detroit they don't have a guy right now it's tbd right as of right now for detroit lucas giolito will be going for the bump going on the bump for the white Sox. but that guy gets shelled or goes four innings then there's another guy then there's another guy there's another guy in his four at bats four different pitchers four different at bats it's a little bit different than i mean carlos lee probably had the 
pretty much the same thing, but it's a little bit different than the 56 that DiMaggio had to do in um, to hit in the, this many games that he's done. And he's like clear of everybody else. I think his 22 and then there's a guy that's at like 15 or 12 today. I think Brian Reynolds got his hitting streak too. So you could tell it is hard because of the hit, the pitchers are facing the uncertainty of the schedule, the weirdness of the year, but he's the best at doing it this year. So if anybody can do it, I think Jose Abreu in this year will be excellent if he breaks a White Sox record in such a short season. Um, and I'll be rooting for him, but I am it's just tough. And also, I think he would have to go through the Tigers, the Twins, and then uh, the last team is the Cincinnati Reds to break that record. Tough teams. Absolutely. It just goes to show you how absurd Joe DiMaggio's record uh, is and was. I mean, these guys, you know, they're riding trains back then. You know what I mean? When he, when he set that record. You know what I mean? Like, these are not the most comfortable of circumstances traveling from town to town. And still he was able to find a way to get a hit uh, 56 straight games. It's, it's pretty absurd. That and Ted Williams, you know, hitting 401. You know, just it's, it's absurdity. You know what I mean? Like, it, it goes to show you, like, you know, not everything just uh, – improves over time sure the athletes may be better literally everything around the sport is better in terms of the way people condition you know the way you can watch video although now you can't this year not in game anyway but all the advanced metrics and all the things so it kind of works both ways right so all the things you have going for you as a hitter to make you better the pitcher has those things too to make you worse so Mm -hmm. you know just it's amazing like you know not not everything gets easier over time and those records are that that's that's big boy table stuff right there but uh, yeah, Jose. and I want to call shenanigans on the oh, bullshit no. <laughs> Mickey Mantle of five hundred and sixty-five foot home run. <laughs> so you're telling me that guy, Mickey Mantle, hit the longest home run in baseball history and hadn't come close to being topped. Where we have guys like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, we have Eloy Jimenez, we have Luis Robert, we have guys who are stronger than him, and a ball that everybody say is says is juiced. And these guys are not even coming close to that 565-foot home run. Bull crap. They miss, um, they mismeasured that that home run. There's no way in hell. Like the longest home run I've ever seen, I think that was that Mark McGuire home run up in the Sky Dome, and that was only like a 525-foot shot. You're telling me that man can't hit a home run longer than Mickey Mantle? Get up the hell out of here. Sorry, I'm just going my rants about Mickey Mantle. <laughs> and of course, there's that that great letter uh, written by Mickey Mantle about getting a BJ uh, <laughs> in, underneath the uh, bleachers at Yankee Stadium. Do you remember that story? I don't. <laughs> okay, so in June 2006, we began receiving purported reproductions of a correspondence between New York Yankees Vice President Robert Fischel and Yankee slugger Mickey Mantle. It consisted of a form letter sent by the club to a number of former players at the end of 1972 requesting that each recipient, in anticipation of a 1973 old-timers game that would mark the 50th anniversary of Yankee Stadium, indicate what he considered his, quote, outstanding event at that ballpark. In the bottom portion of the form letter, purportedly filled out and signed by Mantle himself, the superstar outfielder described his, quote, outstanding experience at Yankee Stadium in rather crude terms as a particular sexual act performed, quote, under the right field bleachers ironically signing his response as quote the all-american boy so the the record the letter uh, reads as this the letter says dear mickey 
As you probably know, 1973 marks the 50th anniversary of Yankee Stadium, and we're going to have a season-long golden anniversary celebration. We hope to mark the occasion on our old-timers day, Saturday, August 11th, as well as on individual dates during the season. We thought it would be interesting to learn from you what you consider your outstanding event at Yankee Stadium. So Mickey responds to this. It's got like a, a, you know, I said it's a form letter, so it's got the question and then lines for you to write your answer. So the question is, I consider the following my outstanding experience at Yankee Stadium. And Mickey Mantle writes, I got a blowjob underneath the right field bleachers by the Yankee bullpen. And then the next line says, this event occurred, occurred on or about... And he goes, it was about the third or fourth inning. I had pulled a groin and couldn't at the time. <laughs> she was a very nice girl and asked me what to do with the after I in her mouth. I said, mm. don't ask me. I'm no sucker. <laughs> 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 oh god that's again hilarious. yeah that's one of the only things that you can tell on a podcast but still reading it uh i do know we have uh, younger listeners listening but you can see the letter in full uh you know without uh, edits in there but yeah it's a classic mickey mantle story uh but, i thought uh, when you're reading that you said uh got a got a bj by by the blow by the uh bullpen i thought like the bullpen people gave him one i was like that's a little <laughs> generous teammate well right there. well mickey Mantle was an all-time great i mean sometimes you just got the you have to show your respects to the mick um <laughs> and back then the bullpen guys were just failed starters <laughs> so they, they need to do something to earn their key exactly that's back then men were men and they weren't scared to do that to each other <laughs> to prove that manliness um but yeah so anyway uh just a great night for the White Sox tonight. Um, real quick, we we gave it to, to Nick Madrigal last night with his base running blunders, his toot bland adventures on the base bats. But tonight, yeah, but tonight he came through with a two run single, and he's flirting mm-hmm. with four hundred himself. And uh, Stoney pointed out that he'd have to have like seven at bats per game the rest of the year to qualify for the batting title. But the man's hitting over four hundred right now uh, since he's come up uh, with the White Sox this year. Pretty amazing. He seems to still just he knows where the holes in the infield are at and i don't know what this means for his career but i mean the kid can hit what, what, what can you say and he came through and he hit with the two-run single tonight making up for those two outs he ran into on the base path last night yeah it was part of that fourth inning you're talking about where that was a thing where if you get in out there you're like ah oh, son of a gun this is gonna be like last night's game not capitalizing on uh, this woeful pittsburgh team but the kid came through Big time. That's, I mean, there's no, there's no question. The kid can hit, and that was clutch. Needed that very much so, and uh, that was the turning point in the game, I believe, where the kid gets the hit. They go up for what? I, what was at the time like uh, five to nothing, and they cruise to a victory. You struggle there. You don't get the two runs in. Maybe Pittsburgh has some momentum. It's like okay, we got them out. Remember last night where we were down 4 nothing. We can battle back. We can get these guys. And then they have a little confidence going into the bottom of the fourth. So, yeah, Nicky Madrigal, we give you crap when you mess up. We'll give you kudos when you do right. Absolutely. Uh, just wrapping it up, it was nice to have a laugher tonight. And uh, White Sox back in action on September 11th on Friday. They have tomorrow off. And we, I don't even know what day of the week it is. Oh, what, okay, so it is Wednesday. Okay, so they have Thursday off. Oh, God, it's only, it's only Wednesday. Uh, so they have Thursday off, and they're, they're back in Tomorrow's action. Tomorrow's my Friday, Tanny. What's that? Tomorrow's my Friday. It is. Congratulations. I'm, I'm happy for uh, you feel, in that regard. Feels great. Yeah. Um, 
So Giolito will be back on the mound for the White Sox against TBD, as you mentioned. So we'll be back uh, to recap that one, and we'll slide in a uh, a Luis Robert episode five this week. Uh, it's certainly the biggest couple weeks in Luis Roberts' young career with the walk-off hit, with the bomb in Kansas City, and, of course, that amazing catch on Saturday night. So we'll talk to you about how Luis Roberts' doing in his rookie season, as we've been doing all season long. Every so often, we check in with Lou Bob and and, uh, go over his stats and just talk about things that he can improve on and just marvel at the youngster. So as he he tears apart the American League en route to his Rookie of the Year award. Uh, That's all I got. You know the sad part about it? Um, when we face the Tigers this weekend, what's that? We will not be able to face Matthew Boyd because he oh, was out there no. today getting his tits lit against the Milwaukee Brewers. He went three innings and gave up seven earned. Oh, he was the and, man and today. What was that? Nineteen nothing. That scored today. Nineteen nothing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Travis Demerit came in for the last inning and gave up four earned. Good job, Travis Demerit. Did you uh, see? Yeah, did you see. did you see who made their debut uh, for the Tigers, or at least who got called up for the Tigers uh, today? I did not see who got called up for the Tigers. You will feel old because son of Mike Cameron, Daz Cameron, uh-huh. called up today uh, in that Tigers-Brewers game. And uh, there's an awesome picture. Uh, I think it's the Mariners Twitter account has it with Mike Cameron in his Mariners days uh, and and, uh, and little Daz Cameron there. Uh, so, yes, we are officially old. Uh, Daz Cameron, 23 years of age uh, for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, and I'm I'll, looking at a picture of him right now. He looks just like his daddy. He does, yeah. So if he's got the tools of his daddy, he's going to have a nice long career and uh, sadly probably will terrorize the White Sox. Just don't hit four home runs in a game uh, oh, <laughs> against the White Sox. So As Les would say, I was there. <laughs> That's all I got tonight, Herbie. I think it was both off of John Roush and I know Jim Parquet was giving up couples home runs and he hit back-to-back home runs with uh, Brett Boone the first two home runs and then uh, Brett Boone stopped hitting home runs and Mr. Cameron continued to um yeah that's all I got too and everybody knows Mike Cameron traded for Paul Canerco yes. oh by the way Paul, Can- Paul Canerco by the way the only white Sox his kids, oh, his kids got called up <laughs> no, but his kid, but Kenny wants his kid to be a player manager, even though they haven't played and the kid's six years old. Um, but no, Paul Canerco, the White Sox loan recipient of the Roberto Clemente Award. Thank you for bringing it back full circle. I forgot to mention it earlier. And this year, of course, Tim Anderson is the White Sox uh, honoree slash nominee for the Clemente Award. So we keep our fingers crossed for TA doing great things uh, in Chicago and, uh, and, and living up to the uh, – the Clemente spirit right there. So yeah, that's all I got. All right. Thank you, Tanny, uh, for Chris Tannehill. I'm Herb Lawrence. We have a Mailbag Monday episode, usually on Mondays. You can email us at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. That is LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Questions, comments, whatever you want to say to us. We read them all. They all don't make it to the show. So make them funny, make them good, make them clever, bring some stats, bring your bring your personality to this email, and we might get you on to the Mailbag Monday show. So oh, wait, real quick, us. real quick, Go though, uh, birthday shout-outs tonight where there are two White Sox birthday shout-outs that we oh, should – Yes. Um, one, of course, being – Jason Benetti. We we adore Jason Benetti. Happy birthday, Jason. Chris Tannehill loves it more than anything in the world. <laughs> and great Locked on Sox listener and White Sox fan, uh, Pete Hand, celebrating a birthday today as well. So happy birthday, boys. Happy birthday, Pete Hand. Thank you for listening, and thank you for always participating with us. And tomorrow, apparently, is Joe Groove's birthday, too. Oh, that's right. I heard them talking about that. Oh, but there's no game. We can't get you anything. 
Sorry, that, mean Joe Groob. That was Pick a, up a check once in a while. That was actually a really cool thing that they got Jason tonight. That that five year pin with the White Sox. That's really cool. And of course, he couldn't catch it when Stoney threw it to him. <laughs> did you see that? I did not. <laughs> yeah. So you know, Stoney has all these gag gifts. He's like, "I got you a Star Wars bobblehead, and here's an autographed picture of me, you know, at Wrigley Field, you know, and he's got all these. Here's a birthday card with Minnie Minoso on it, and it was just random. And then he's like, "Actually, here's a White Sox." five-year pin commemorating your five years with the ball club and you know you couldn't really see it that well on tv because of the cameras but you know that was really cool they had it in a nice little case and he tosses it over to jason and jason drops it so you see him kind of fall out of camera position as he's picking up his five-year pin which i would imagine shattered all over the floor but that was was a pretty cool moment though yeah Drops oh, no. the pin. Yes, thank you. I, I, I don't have Ron Sano at the hot and ready on my hot keys here anymore. But yeah, it was pretty cool. But so happy birthday, gents. Yeah, so happy birthday to those gentlemen. And thank you for listening to this episode of Locked on Socks. You can follow us at Locked on Socks on Twitter and Instagram. Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence at Ecknerwall23. So this is going to do it for tonight's 8-1 to one victory over the Pirates. Tomorrow we're off. Maybe we'll throw on a, a Locked On Luis, our fifth edition. Maybe we won't. It's up to you. If you want it, send us a message. We'll throw in a special Thursday evening edition of Locked On Socks for our Luis Robert. If we don't hear back from you guys, we'll just chill on Thursday and just catch you on the weekend. So for Chris Tannehill, I'm Herb Lawrence. Check us next time. And vote for us on Locked on Socks and our Twitter accounts if you want us to do a next one. This has been Locked on Socks.